Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Tamarindo. Hello. What's up, Tamarindo amiguis? All right. So today we are talking to Ian Lara, Dominican comedian from New York City. He recently released his first comedy special, Romantic Comedy, on HBO Max. You'll hear about Ian's career in comedy as an Afro-Latino and how comedy and healing go hand in hand and so much more, y'all. Pero before we get to that... I wanted to talk a little about something I've been reflecting on living in Mexico this last two years and also as as I'm getting older. So in Mexico, as a sign of respect and courteousness, people will often speak to you based on their honestly split reaction of your gender identity and age bracket or the stage of, of your life. So, you know, when you get into Ubers, when you go into public spaces, it happens all the time. And if you've come to Mexico, and there, I know there's parts of the U.S. that this happens more as well, but you'll you'll experience it, right? So mm-hmm. you can imagine that this presents a lot of feelings for folks that might not identify with certain identities, or maybe if we're talking about the age part, aren't ready to do so. So I'm talking about terms like señor and, and señora. And so specifically focusing, focusing a little bit more on those terms, what they actually just mean is that you gender in my understanding and what I what I looked up is that if you're a señora señora you are married and if you're a señorita and I guess joven I don't know what it is for 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 a male um uh, yeah, but it really just is tied to your marriage. But of course, now we're in a new era where people might not get married or get married later. So it's now just associated with your age and what people perceive you to be. Right. So, yes. <laughs> so I have a lot of feelings around this. But Brenda, I wanted to ask you first. I know, um, what, is this, what does the word senora mean to you? And, and has, has your relationship changed with it? Yeah, of course. I love it. Now I love it. I, I've embraced it more as clearly what you're describing is accurate, that it's a symbol of your age and yes originally a symbol of your marital status i think more more and more it's really more like you mentioned it's about the age and there's this stigma right we're like oh no me diga señora like that was the notions and connotations that i had but now i'm like fuck it i am a señora i will carry my fucking basket my collapsible grocery basket to the grocery store your flag i'm you know <laughs> i don't care like this is the uh, soy señora i i literally am like i'm married i'm almost 40 it's fine with me so but i i understand the the complicated feelings around gender terms period right we we Anna Shayla and i actively try to convince others to stop saying, you guys, you ladies, you will be amazed how many people, even though we've talked about it on this podcast, continue to say, hey, ladies, hey, you guys, we got to just in English or in Spanish, let's work as much as we can to step away from these gendered terms. So there's the gendered thing. But then in this case, there's also the ma'am ask it, the, the, (laughs) the the singling, um, signaling that you are old. Yeah, I, I totally feel everything that you're that that you're saying, Brenda. And I think that it's been cool to see folks um, and and women who identify it, who who are, are reclaiming senora as 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 a positive thing, right? And um, it, it it means so much more than than what I think people have attached to it, and also people owning it in the way that they want to own it. And I think for me, I have kind of complicated feelings around it, and um, you know. Um, I'm not, I'm not married and, uh, people still call, I, I still, I, I still 
only get called senorita. So it's yeah, interesting because you look because, young, <laughs> so young so, and you are young. <laughs> we're young, not that young, but I'm just a little bit. I'm younger than than you, but pues not por tanto tampoco. So like, but like, um, yeah. So I think people see me and like their split reaction in that moment is like senorita, right? The way I carry myself también, tal vez. I mean, so it's, it's I wonder too if they receive that you're gay, and, and for those reasons, they don't want to say senora. You know, that could be a yeah, part of it as well. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I, that's that's an interesting thing. Maybe they're that, like if that comes in for some reason, I feel like people are not getting that deep with <laughs> deep with it. But that's an interesting comment. But yeah, so I have mixed feelings around it because I do feel like in this in between stage um, where you know I, I am getting older and definitely could be very much be a, a señora if I identified with that with that gender term, right? But still feeling like. It's it's like honoring the beauty of aging, of, of aging, while also like own, wanting to own like the agency of I get to live my life and how I want to live it, and like not whatever your assumptions of like what this term is going to, what this term means, but also just really curious about when is gonna when that's gonna happen. Like oh, I wonder when people are gonna start calling me, wanting to call me senora, and have no qualms with calling me senora because it, it's it hasn't happened yet, right? And I feel like that's gonna be like oh shit, okay, now I really am look am and look to people like you know older quote unquote right so it's an interesting like mixed feelings around and i think what i also notice is the resistance around or, or weird feelings around it is that i just actually don't identify that much with like the as, as someone that's queer when i thought when i think about myself i'm like i just don't really identify that much with like a, being called a senora and then i was trying to think about it. okay what if i use the term senore and and there was like actually like an instant sort of relief. And I was like, oh, cool. Then it just really just became about honoring entering this new stage of life that was less associated with all these things that were attached to to a gender identity. You know what I mean? That sounds beautiful. Did, did you feel like actual tingly feelings? Like what did it feel like in your body to accept Senore? Yo, it was, I felt like a release. Like I felt like I could breathe. Like I feel like there was tension and tightness attached to um, senora. And then when I just took that out and said senore, it was like I could breathe, girl. It was, it was, yeah, it was powerful. That yeah. sounds so beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to how that all continues to evolve for you and how you let us in on that journey. Because I think that's a really powerful realization. And I really want to honor that. And thank you for letting us listen and hear that journey for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate you um, honoring that. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm, I'm glad we got to share that that reflection on señoras, señores, all the things. And now let's hear from our guest today, Ian Lara. The month of February makes us think about love. And whether you're loving on your partner, family, or friends, don't forget to show love to the most important person in your life. That's you, boo. And few things are more important to take care of than what we show off every day. Nuestras caritas bonitas. Many things in life can dehydrate our skin, including weather, pollution, blue light, time spent in the sun, mask wearing, air travel, and air conditioning. But you can fight back against life's daily dehydrators with Clinique Moisture Surge 100 Hour. This supercharged gel cream hydrator delivers 100 hours of hydration for plump, glowing skin, even after washing your face. Its auto-replenishing technology helps skin create its own internal water source, delivering continuous, oil-free, and non-greasy radiant hydration. 
After one week, 99% of women who used it said it left their skin feeling deeply hydrated. That's a lot, y'all, 99%. And y'all know I love to stay hydrated, and that includes mi carita, especially in the winters, and yes, even in LA, y'all. So I also love that MS-100 is oil-free and that it's auto-replenishing technology. It means that even after I put it on, it's going to keep rehydrating itself, keeping me extra moistured, and that just one use and you'll see improvement in your skin radiance. I mean, what's not to love about that? So this Valentine's Day, y'all, shop Clinique Moisture Surge 100 Hour for 20% off at Clinique.com. This discount is valid through 214, so hurry up. We're so grateful to have Ian Lara and Tamarindo today. Thanks so much, Ian, for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me and saying my last name properly. I appreciate it. Hey. <laughs> so <laughs> we've had a we've had a few other comedians on the show. We love comedians, including Aida Rodriguez and up and coming Marcela Arguello. Um, I feel like comedians often have some of the toughest backgrounds when you really look look into it. And, and I think it's also a really tough business to find a sustain, sustainable success in it. But you're doing it. You've just released your first HBO comedy special entitled Romantic Comedy. That's a big deal. Um, you're also first generation Dominican. Your parents moved yeah. to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic and you grew up in, in New York, right? Yes, yes. Beautiful. So yes. what's made the big, biggest difference in actually finding success in, in your career? And how has that personal background growing up impacted your career in comedy? Um, I, I honestly think that the biggest difference is um, just opportunities that I've been giving, been given from other people in the industry, whether it's somebody like um, Ida Rodriguez uh, directing my special or tons of other comedians who have just kind of vouched for me. Like, cause I think in this business I, and, and also like in any art form, um, for you to be able to like ascend it, like even if people who think they're self-made or they sell self, they're self-made, you need people to kind of get you into that door. I don't really see it possible to just do it 100% on your own. You need people to allow you the opportunity or walk you into some of these places. And I think the biggest difference has been those people in my camp who have, um, other artists who have allowed me to, you know, follow in their footsteps or led me into these offices and these conversations that and then have turned out to be opportunities for me. Yeah. Who's opened those doors for you? What has that been like? I mean, for one, I have to give a shout out to my director, which is Ida Rodriguez, because I met Ida when I was two years into comedy. We just just by chance, I got a manager really early on. I got a manager at two years in and Ida was already already killing it. She was already on TV and doing all these things. And we just kind of became friends like off the bat. Like she just kind of took a liking to me and I took a liking to her and we just became friends. And as my career has grown, she's always been there every step of the way, whether I wanna, whether it's to have a conversation about something that's happening, tell me, hey, this is not the way to do this. You should do it that way. Or even bring in her creative mind and help me uh, bring this special to life that I have on HBO Max. So I think if I had to put like a list of people, she's definitely at the forefront of people who have helped me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And she's been a guest on the show and we think she's wonderful. And one of the things that I saw in, in, in speaking to her is how much she really is about community. Like it, it feels like she doesn't take anything that she has for granted and she's going to do anything that she can, she can within her power and her platform to bring people up alongside her. So um, is that, is that what, what you felt within her experience? 
working with her and knowing her on this special and, and beforehand? Yes, for, I mean, for sure. And um, me and Ida, like, we just see eye to eye, like, on a lot of things, like, because especially when it comes to stuff like elevating the cult the culture and, like, you know, Latinx and Afro-Latinos and people just of, like, similar backgrounds, um, we always, like, I think she'd agree because we've had this conversation, think it's important that you do give people these opportunities, but you have to do the due diligence, do your due diligence and make sure that the people who are getting the opportunities are people who earned it and deserved the opportunity because there is a thing of like, when it comes time to elevate, where there's a thing where it's like, let's just open the doors and elevate everyone. And it's like, it's not not to elevate everyone, but it's just like, if, if, you get, if the wrong people get the opportunities, then the opportunities can be taken away, right? Because the industry can be like, look, we gave this person an opportunity and it failed. I feel like the, the industry likes to do that a lot where they'll be like, all right, we're doing Hispanic people now. Let's take this Hispanic person. It's like, no, you have to go. If it's comedy, you have to go to the comedy clubs and find out who is the Hispanic person that deserves that opportunity. You can't just pick a random Hispanic person out the thing and then when it doesn't fail, throw a blanket over everyone like, see, we tried it and it, do and it doesn't work. So I think that is important in like elevating um, each other. We have to like be whatever art form it is, whether it's acting, music, whatever. You have to be ingratiate yourself to know who are the people that are putting in that work that deserve to be uh, given uh, the bigger opportunities. Because like there's no difference in culture like everybody and no matter what the industry is or the culture there's people who are working and then there's some people who are not necessarily uh putting into work or or the thing that it takes to be successful in that art so i think that's like a we spoke about that where i mean she always thought that with me from the beginning when she was like i see you working i see you're in these streets i see you grinding i want to help you yeah but also like we also just deserve more opportunities period like we deserve to to have average <laughs> average latinx creatives making things there's a lot of average white people making yeah. things you know and like super, I, I hate super, that that's like for sure <laughs> for sure 100 percent. there is that argument of it but like yeah it doesn't but i get you i mean it just doesn't work like that right like, right no of course it, I, of course and that's yeah and that's why we just need more people like more i, I wish it did i wish it did right. but when you're hispanic any minority you know that you're not going to be able to contribute on the same level as our white counterparts just because they are who's in charge right if right it were all if 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 the industry was 85 percent dominicans then dominicans yeah. would get every <laughs> shot right just just naturally yeah. it would be a ton of mid-level dominicans right uh, <laughs> doing yeah, whatever yeah, they yeah, want to yeah, do yeah, yeah. that's just how it works Right, right, right. Um, so I want to get back to, to, to your comedy and your comedy special, but I want the listeners to get to know you a little bit. So I'm going to ask you some questions we like to ask our guests. So I'm going to ask you okay. to share with us um, what you want to give a matraca to. So this is something you want to give a shout out to that you're loving right now. Um, um, all right. I want to give a shout out because I've been growing. I've been uh, since like December, I've been growing out a beard. So I okay. want to give a shout okay, out James to Harden. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that long. It's I, not that long yet. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to like beard and hair products that are like uh, made and catered to like uh, black people who like, yeah. uh, you know, there's not a lot of products are not catered or made towards like black people minorities. So I want to give a shout out to like all these beard products that have my beard feeling like refreshed and looking healthy. No, deal. I mean, I'm looking, it looks... <laughs> 
<laughs> I get that it compliment a lot. Yeah. yeah, no, it looks it looks shiny. It looks neat. And I, and I was just kidding yeah. when I when I mentioned James Harden because he could use some of those products. I think if you ever meet him, maybe <laughs> yeah, you, can, yeah. you can pass him pass him some of your brands because he, he could use some some little trim 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 and, and shine. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, I've had like I literally had like some black brands, hair product brands that just saw my Instagram and was like, hey, you look like you could use some of this. And they just sent me like a box of it and I've been using it and it's great. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, what do you want to put in La Basura right now? Um, I want to put in the Basura people who are still on the internet hating on other people's art. Yes. Internet, like, critics, just go away. Like, whatever happened to having your own opinion and talking behind people's back. The whole idea <laughs> of, like... The whole idea of like, I didn't like this and I need to tweet to the person who created it that I don't like it. That's just bad human behavior. Yeah, I feel that. Um, how do you, well, you know, my my thought around this, is, and this is this is what's helped um, me just, and I think it can help anyone, but like the people, the, haters are always people that, are, that aren't doing what they wish they could be doing. Like they probably wish sure. they could be doing what, what you're doing, right? Sure. Yes. They're unfulfilled. Yes. I mean, it's unfulfilled people. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is a very rational and grounded way of looking at it. But as an artist, you know, they're all like recreate stuff, whatever it is that we create. And if you tell us to our face that we hate it, no matter how much we of try course. to rationalize about how yep. bad of a person you are, it still affects you, you know? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it, of course, because it's, you're being, vo you're being so vulnerable in, in sharing your, sure. your art with a, with a, right. with a wide audience. So, so how do you, um, you know, maybe this is something you tell yourself too, but like how, what else helps you keep going? Cause like, I feel like there's a lot of people, including some of these haters that are paralyzed and taking action because of the same hate that they're, because they think they're going to get the same hate that they're giving out, dishing out to other folks, oh. right? <laughs> oh, and they are. Cause if I find <laughs> they, any of these guys create any, Anything, I'm gonna be right. in their comments. You're, yeah, you're gonna be trolling. Yeah. Um, no, I think for me, I think I find a lot of uh, like I have a pretty big family. I'm the youngest of five, and I have a lot of cousins and aunts. And I think every time we get together, that that's like a thing that keeps me grounded because when we do get together, it's never like no talk about like comedy or what's going on in the business. It's kind of just goes back to like just me being me who I was before stand up, and I think that keeps me uh, pretty grounded and I'm able to like understand that like whatever's going on on social media or in the zeitgeist is not reality. And, and reality is like the time you spend like with your family or people you love and those type of relationships. Yeah. So beyond family, what's something that right now has been giving you calma, keeping you grounded um, as, your, as your career and, and your success grows? Um. I'm pretty much, I don't know, beyond family is tough. I'm pretty much just comedy and family. Like, that's all I really like. That's all I kind of exist in, which is like, I work nonstop. And when I'm not working, I spend it with my brothers and sisters. So um, other than that, like, I don't really like, I got my friends who I, you know, I consider them, I put them in like my close friends. I put them in like the family category, right? Because we're so close. Um, but other than that, like um realm for me like I, it's really nothing else like i don't go i don't really go out i don't really like i don't really do anything other than gym work 
and hang out with my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so g- family, maybe gym also helps you keep your yeah. karma too. Yeah, I guess I would include the gym there, right? Because if it made it into that yeah. top three, that's a pretty tight uh, thing. So yeah, probably the gym <laughs> aside from the family. Yeah, beautiful. Um, okay, so yeah. I want to go get back to to comedy. How did you realize? Like, when did you realize? Like, oh, I really, I really want to want to pursue this as a as a career. And 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 what made you? gave you the, the confidence to to actually keep going, right? Because it can be really difficult yeah. for creatives to, to truly pursue something, right? Yeah. Um, I think it was around 20 years old. I kind of got the idea of it. I was always considered, growing up, I was considered like a funny uh, kid from my friends and stuff. And I kind of got the idea around 20 where I really started watching stand-up and I was starting to like really watch it and analyze it in the, like, I think I can do this um, realm. Like, I think I'm funny enough. And I think that if I work hard, I can get to a point where I can do this. You know, you have to have, in, in any type of, like, art form like this, you have to have, like, some type of, like, small delusion, I, I call it. Like, you have to be a little bit delusional to think that, like, I'm going to one day have an HBO special. Like, why would I ever have an HBO special? So you have to kind of like think a little bit like that and be a little blinded to it at the beginning. Because if you know the reality of it, like if in the beginning, you know, like, oh, it's going to be at least like eight years before like anything happens. You might be like, "Ah, I don't know if I want to give this eight years. You got to be a little naive to it and think like, well, if it took this person this long, maybe I could do it in three. Right. You got to think that. And then you get to three years. You're not there. You're like, well, I've already done three. I'm only three away from six. Maybe I'll do three more. You know, that kind of like thing keeps you going. And for me, before I was able to do anything on like television or any mainstream thing, the thing that kept me going was other comedians I respect, such as uh, Ida, Orlando Leba, you know, Eric Rivera, uh, even like uh, more like mainstream American comedians like Mark Norman, Roy Wood Jr. It's like these guys seeing me and saying like literally just like, hey, keep going. That's like all like a young comedian or artist needs is like the somebody they respect to be like, keep going. And you'll just be like, all right, I'll keep going if you think I should. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's funny. Well, as podcast hosts, we, you know, we don't normally have our audience in front of us. So the way that we like what keeps us going is when someone writes us a review and we get that love sure. and we're like, oh shit, this really, or someone sends me a DM and they're, they're like, what you share really has gotten me through tough times. When people say stuff like that, you're like, damn, okay. Right. Like, <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, that, that like, I, obviously, when, like, that came along later for me, like, because obviously, like, what, then certain stuff gets released, and it gets out to the masses, and then the masses, and then you'll get those type of messages, and that's, like, another thing that added to it, where it's, like, regular people saying, like, hey, this joke that you said is 100% what I experienced, and I loved it, and I love watching your stuff, and that alone to have you, like, going. Still. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a specific moment where you were like, yeah, yeah like a specific, this is for me or maybe like the first time? I don't know if maybe not the first time you did stand up because I don't know what that was like. But was there, you know, but was there a moment that you're like, yes, this is it? Um, I remember I was about five years into comedy and another comedian invited me to do this benefit show in his hometown upstate. And the benefit show was for this young girl at the I mean, she was 16 years old and she had been diagnosed with a certain form of cancer. And I, I had never done anything of that magnitude at all. So, you know, I was just like doing a comedy show for a cancer. It, it just didn't seem like the two things kind of made sense but 
it was a fundraiser and it was like listen the whole town bought tickets it was at this bar so it was about i would say 200 people there who had bought tickets to raise money these very expensive tickets and i was hosting at that time and i remember doing the show and at first like you know the parents went up and talked about the plight of having a daughter with cancer and what it's dealt with and the the like it was like real heavy real heavy and i remember um the 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 young lady um may she rest in peace she actually ended up passing away from mm. um from cancer i remember the young lady she went up and she was just like she was just like hey guys you guys are like feeling sorry for me but like i'm the one dealing with this she was only 16 to have such a like a a real like perspective like that she was just like i'm the one dealing with this so like you don't have to feel this way like i'm just trying to have a good time i haven't had a good time in a long time can we just all have a good time and then they introduced me and she sat in the front row and she just laughed and had the greatest of time and after the show her parents her dad and mom they came up to me and they were almost like teary-eyed saying like oh they were like we haven't laughed in like a year you know this was like the greatest thing that has happened to us as far as like being able to enjoy life in like a year since their daughter got sick and um that was like the first time that i was like all right, this isn't just, this is like, it's comedy. I know we're trying to be funny. We're trying to make people laugh, but this isn't just some like, uh, th like we're not just like these things that don't matter and contribute nothing and just bring in, you know, ha ha funny when people are drinking on a Friday night. This is something that actually can, you know, help people deal with stuff. And then when I went through my own stuff, then I realized it from that perspective. That was the first time I realized it as an entertainer. And then I went through it and I kind of realized it from like an audience perspective. And also from like, like for me, where it was like comedy is like kind of keeping me going through this, mm -hmm. like just performing. Yeah. I mean, I think comedy is, is, is healing for the, the comedian, I feel like often. Right. But also for, yeah. for the, the audience, because I mean, it sounds che it's super cheesy, but I think it's it true that, <clears throat> that laughter yeah. is medicine. Laughter is healing. And when you are laughing, you are also being fully present in that moment. There's nothing else that you're thinking about when you are like fully you just heard a real good ass joke and you are laughing there's nothing else yeah. that you are thinking about in that moment other than laughing right. at that joke and that presence right. is is what is is healing yeah i mean i always have taken comedy seriously like anyone who knows me knows from the beginning it was always like a serious thing which sounds funny i take comedy seriously but right. it's, <laughs> but i mean that's the, the, next, that's the next special name <laughs> yeah yeah um, I, but but still but like i i i mean now even more than ever i understand the responsibility like sure it's not going to be everyone in the audience right because everyone in the audience is living different perspectives and different lives but every time you do perform there might be one or two or three, whatever people in the audience who are dealing with this, whatever it may be in life that's causing them to be down, depressed, stressed, whatever it is. And they came out on this night to laugh and get their mind away from them. So you have to make sure you do your best to give them back the show. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. And um, I have to say, like, I've just enjoyed seeing more and more um, Latinx and, and Afro-Latino comedians take up more more space and, and get on bigger stages, um, yeah. especially as, I mean, I'm Mexican, so obviously a connection to the broader Latinx community, but also I've really yeah. enjoyed hearing more Afro-Latino comedians because 
it's it's a different perspective that I have that I know a little bit about, but like sure. not 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 to- not in the same not totally as like as, as if I was um, Puerto Rican or Dominican or or yeah. from wherever else. And so it's really nice to like get to understand a little bit more of that perspective. And um, yeah, I've I've really been enjoying just seeing more up and coming. Um, Afro-Latino yeah. comedians for sure. I mean, yeah, me, me too, me too. And this is like another conversation that I've had with um, Ida. I feel like the most, the highest level of like reaching, I feel like the highest level of like equality when it comes to like entertainment and creating is being able to tell whatever story you want to tell. And that's always like what I've been like, m- like firm on because you start to get some momentum, you start to get some traction, you start going into these meetings and they bring you in because they want to buy a story that they think is a story that you have. That Sometimes it's like, if you want to talk about that, that's fine. But it's like, what if I want to talk about airplanes? White people talk right. about airplanes. <laughs> yeah. Can I just talk about airplanes? <laughs> I think that's like the highest level to have like Latinx um, entertainers and performers be able to tell whatever story they want to tell. You want to tell your Latinx experience from growing up? Yes. Tell that story. But if you want to tell a story about aliens, tell that one too. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. I feel that. And that's the same thing we we, we see across entertainment everywhere, right? Like before, like movies and, and shows, everyone wanted us to keep telling the same one dimensional stories about being yeah. Latinx, right? Yeah. And it just yeah, takes sure. more. Yeah. More and, and more it's like folks. A weird thing. It's a weird thing because like they'll literally ask you like, oh, we want to tell more of like whatever, let's say a Latinx or Afro Latino story. And you're like, Every story I tell is an Afro Latino story. Right. My stories, I don't take off my color. Right. I or am my always thing. this. <laughs> yeah. So even if I'm talking about dating, it's still an Afro Latino story. Yeah. Like it, it's it's that perspective. Me. It's that perspective because it's you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's always me. So no matter what story you want to tell, it's what that is. Like what if right. if that's what you are, it's what the story is. Mm, gotcha. So, um, how would you define your your comedic style if someone was to ask you? Um, I would say it's mostly like witty observations and and uh, autobiographical. That would that would be the, the two things, like little quirky stories and and observations. Gotcha. Okay. So then, um, yeah, tell us. So, where can people uh, find romantic comedy or anything else that you want to share with our listeners that you didn't get to? Where where can people follow you? What else do you have coming up? Yeah, Yeah, um, Romantic Comedy is streaming, is up on HBO Max. If you put my name, Ian Lara, it comes up. If you put Romantic Comedy, it comes up. Uh, It's up there. It'll stay up there. So just watch it whenever you get the chance. Um, If you enjoy it, tweet at me. Let me know you enjoy it. I'm at Ian Lara Live. Um, Just my name with the word live at the end. Uh, Send me an Instagram message or email. I try to reply and get back to everyone who does. And... uh, and I also have a Comedy Central special that's out on YouTube that you can watch for free. And that's called Growing Shame. Um, kind of like Growing Pain, there's Growing Shame. That came out last year at the beginning of the year also. So you can watch two of my specials and then you follow me on Instagram. And if I'm coming to your city, I'm on tour now. I'm doing like a, this is my first like big tour all across the country and the world. We just added like Africa and London. So if I'm coming to your city, uh, come see me come through yeah well congratulations on on all the success ian i hope you keep going up from here thank you for making time to chat with us on on tamarindo we appreciate you oh no problem thank you for having me i really really appreciated it all right take care abrazos 
Do you want to hang out with us in person? You're invited to Self Love Con Corazon, an evening of a conversation, workshop, and connecting. Uncover the limitations or stories that may be getting in the way of fulfilling self love. Learn tools to start to break past these limitations and stories and identify and set powerful intentions for the rest of the year. This is happening on Thursday, February 23rd, starting at 6.30 p.m. Give yourself plenty of time to find parking. The program will officially start around 7. This will be at the Pop Hop, an independent bookshop and creative learning space that amplifies marginalized voices in Highland Park. Plus, our good friends at Good Juju Coffee, a family-owned coffee maker, will have giveaways and cafe de olla. Support them at goodjujucoffee.com. Self Love Con Corazón is a donation-based event, and you can reserve your seat today at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Once again, this is on Thursday, February 23rd at the Pop Hub in Highland Park. I hope you all love that conversation. We just love to see Afro-Latinx folks making waves in all areas of media, including comedy. Speaking of comedy, we have to put in a little plug for our friend Marcela Arguello's comedy special, which is on HBO right now. It can't, actually, not right now. Coming out February 11th, depending on when you're listening to this, this specific episode. But also big shout out to Aida Rodriguez, who is basically using her platform to get more ears and eyes to see these fantastic comics. And we absolutely love to see that. So with that, time for our rapid fire questions. So Ana Sheila, you're going to do all three in a row. It sounds like Let's it. Do so it. what is yep. your matraca? Well, keeping it queer, y'all, today <laughs> for y'all. Um, I'm giving a matraca to um, Dancing Queer Mexico. They are a group in Mexico City that um, is has organized a community of bachata and salsa dancers and, and classes and, and their theme is Bailamos Rompiendo el Estereotipo de Género and we are all about that and it's just been so lovely for me I've never taken bachata classes so that has been amazing because you get to sort of um, connect with your I think bachata is just so sexy I don't know it's if, if you've got a chance sexual. It's, it's very so, sexual yes, yeah, I love it's it. so, it's, yeah it's so sensual you feel so good but the cool thing is I get to do I've been learning how to lead right and so it's like sensual in a way that feels really nice to me so that's been really cool and it, it's just beautiful when dancing can just be about just joy nothing else has been nothing else is attached to it there's no because I used to I used to have a lot of anxiety around dancing dancing like salsa and all these dances because I never learned them and so there's no anxiety there's no icky feelings about how you feel and what role you are or who you're dancing with we are just all getting to dance exactly what we want to dance and th there's just and everybody's so cute Brenda everybody's so cute in the class I know I see I'm the like, videos of oh, none of which are you <laughs> I see I see you filming other people but yeah, I never well, see I'm you <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I'm filming other people but um it's just no so, you're not allowing anybody to film you though I know I <laughs> ask, I mean, I'll ask, I'll ask, oh, you know what? <laughs> but anyways, it's just so fun and so cute. And I'm like making friends in the class and it's just, everybody's so precious. And, you know, I, I'm going to always take the opportunity to celebrate the importance of safe spaces in, in our communities. It is so important for our communities. And in this case, especially um, safe, non-heteronormative spaces. So Matraca Excellent. to Dancing Excellent. Queer Mexico. Beautiful. Now, what goes in la basura for you, Ana Sheila? My basura... Um, so I'm, I'm gonna get a little political. What's well, all political? All, everything is political over that, Brenda. Absolutely. Everything is. <laughs> so the house, um, spent some time, a lot of times recently passing a resolution denouncing, uh, socialism. And I don't identify as a socialist. The reason I want to put this in la basura, there's two reasons. Number one, there's a lot of, um, 
you know, Congress folks that are that are that are worried that what this is doing is laying groundwork for future cuts to Social Security and, and Medicare. And so that's very scary. And then the other thing is I want to share a quote that really captures the second reason I want to put this in the basura from Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Um, she says, I rise to condemn all socialist autocrats who place power and wealth over their own citizens. Yet this resolution ignores some of their worst evils and falls silent when American leaders mimic their cruel tactics. She says, let's condemn socialist abuses. Yes, but leaders on this very floor seek to overturn democratic elections, confiscate long-held rights and put gut programs to our families, veterans and service members that are needed. So that's those are my, my feelings. That's that's what's going on in the basura for me this week. And how are you countering that? What is your calma? My calma, um, asking yourself direct questions. Like, So a friend you recently was sharing with me, I'll share an anecdote. She shared with me that she didn't really feel super rooted in, in Los Angeles and and she just wasn't feeling totally in, 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 in grounded. And, and I asked her, so what would make a community, what do you need in a community for it to feel, for you to feel rooted? What do you need? And it's like her mind was blown. It's like even though she had acknowledged that she didn't feel rooted, she actually hadn't asked herself or even written down the que- the, the question or the answers to that question. And so the, my that asking yourself these direct questions, like if you're having feelings, like actually ask yourself these questions, write them down, be really direct. And so I want to share a calma practice is, you know, if you're feeling any kind of tension or, or weird feelings, like first, first identify what are those feelings. So in this case, I don't feel rooted, right? And then, but then go to the next step, ask yourself, what do I actually need to feel rooted? So ask yourself the direct question and write it. And what I want to recommend is is journaling as a, as a journal practice, writing it down at night, actually, because there's something about going to sleep on something that a lot of times people wake up and, and they have more, more insights. So writing these questions down at night and then reflecting back on them in the morning. So... That's what I, I absolutely share. love that. I want to call out something that's happening as you're describing this is that you're putting things into the affirmative, like what you want. Not, I don't want yeah. this. I don't right. feel this. I don't let d- d- flip it. Right. What do you want? What do yeah. you want? <laughs> right. No, that, and that, that's such a great point, Brenda, because I think a lot of times we, we spend so much time in what we don't want. Where we, when in, in case it would be better for us, our time would be well spent and more just helpful to be thinking about identifying what we do want. Excellent. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So let me tell you my matraca. My matraca goes to, especially this morning, we're recording on a Saturday morning. It's been a couple of days of of uh, moist February. <laughs> so um, every morning when I when I have a, a night of drinking with my friends and it's the weekend, I get to walk to this the corner of my house, which is not very far from me, on Pasadena Avenue and Daly Street in Lincoln Heights. And this family that sells barbacoa, I mean, it is just the hangover, hangover cure. So, matraca to the family that sells barbacoa on Pasadena Avenue and Daly Street in Lincoln Heights. <laughs> I love it. That's the best. What do you think is a better hangover cure, barbacoa or birria? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a huge, like, I haven't had so much uh, birria to say I'm a birria connoisseur. So, I guess I have to I have to do this analysis. I, I'll take the challenge. Okay. Yeah. I'll okay. take the challenge. Get, get, back, get back to me. But I also wanted to quickly acknowledge you and give you a matraca for giving me some grace because we are recording this morning because I asked Brenda if we could. Because, y'all, I'm in the middle of this egg freezing process and I'm starting to feel the effects. So, I've been very tired, very out of it, and I just do better in, in the morning. So, matraca to Brenda for giving me some compassion and grace oh, through this it's process. It's all about that. We, yes, we need that. This is Nobody pays us for this. So, we got <laughs> we gotta do it when when it works. When we y'all. feel good, yeah. By the way, if you want to donate, this is a good plug to give us. 
please donate, donate. I mean, we Your get love. paid a little bit. Sometimes there's ads, as you as you as you hear. But we want more of those ads, or we can take yes. your contributions. Yes, now, give us uh, your love in whatever way is feasible for you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully in ten dollar bills. All right, so let me tell you my basura. So my basura is, you know, why are people so obsessed with us? This is really the the, the headline here. So first, it's um, Sarah Sanders, who is the new governor of Arkansas. Apparently, she wants to ban the use of Latinx on state documents which is freaking annoying and and it's been annoying every every 4 or 5 months Latinx is trending on all the platforms and it's because there's just all these think pieces that have just m- m- multiplied about this like fake indignation about butchering the Spanish language it's just complete garbage so that's annoying but what's even more annoying what's even more annoying is that five latino democrats in Connecticut are following along so we have mm. a, an article linked in the show notes so you can read a little bit more. But here's a quote from this article, as noted in NBC News. So Rep. Geraldo Reyes Jr. of Waterbury, the bill's chief op- sponsor and one of five Democrats who put their names on the legislation, said Latinx is not a Spanish word, but rather a woke term that is offensive to Connecticut's large Puerto Rican community. First of all, this and this is, let me tell you context here. This is the guy that wrote the bill in Connecticut that's trying to do the same thing of banning the word Latinx because it's somehow offensive. And like now we have like this um, alert allergy to being woke. I mean, it just sounds so ridiculous yeah. because like, oh, we have an allergy to you to you being aware you're you, you are expanding your your brain. And that should be something we should strive against, like push against. It's just so ridiculous. So basura, basura to all of that. And oh quit being so obsessed with us. Why are you obsessed with us? Oh, it's, oh, oh, I was eye rolling through all that, Brenda. Like all of language is made up and it's going to keep changing and we're going to keep make, making up new words. And you don't you don't have to if something doesn't feel right to you, you don't use it, but don't use it. But why yeah. do people have such a problem with people using terms that feel good to them or that identify them? Why it's do we have such a problem with that? It's, yeah, it's, it's, so... it's fear. It's about it's about it's about fear and it's about control. Yeah. And it's rooted in homophobia. Bottom yeah. line. At, bottom line. At, at the end of it all. So, <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. anyway. All right. So, Brenda, <laughs> tell me tell me what's making you feel more more grounded in, in light of our well, Las Pendejadas from, from, from all over. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just so fortunate to have such awesome and amazing friends. And when you get together with your friends, it could turn into nights of randomness. So I have to just briefly tell you all this cra- crazy little anecdote. So I had drinks with my friend Evelyn on Thursday and um, in my neighborhood, and we're walking, and my neighborhood, Lincoln Heights, is one of the oldest L.A. neighborhoods, so it's been around forever. And we see this old-ass building. We see these stairs. They lead up to, clearly, you can go up the stairs, and there's more up, more to see up there. And we see this, like, group of men that are hanging out by the stairs, and, and they're drinking and, and um, smoking a cigarette, and they see us look all curious. And so one of the guys is, like, he was this 60-year-old man. He's he's like, oh, you girls want to see what's up there? And we're like, well, are you going to chop us up into little pieces? He said no. So we're like, all right. Yeah, we're curious. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so we went up the stairs and this was wild. It was like walking through a time machine. And it is now, I don't know, 75 years ago, maybe longer. The um, the All the walls are covered in taxidermy. So there's like lions and tigers and bears, like literally a polar bear, gigantic polar bear at the very entrance. I mean, all kinds of things. And so what the man described to us, and he let us walk around through all of it. He gave us a tour. He's like, my name is Brian. I'm number 573. Like he told us his member number. Apparently this <laughs> is a um, 
centuries old, maybe maybe a century old, century and a half old men's club. It is a men's club. They meet there every Thursday and they, um, I don't know, have special guest speakers. And it's been around forever. It's still no women allowed. But if you're if a guy invites you up, you're allowed to go inside. But basically, it was all men, mostly white. It, it was just fascinating. And there was a lot of what he said are artifacts. And so literally like native artifacts from uh, all over the globe of members that got to, you know, bring that from their adventures. So back when it was very easy to steal shit like that. So <laughs> it was very fascinating. Um, and I want to <laughs> recommend, and I don't remember the name of the documentary, so I'll look it up later, put it in the show notes. But there was also a documentary on Netflix. This made me think of it. And this documentary on Netflix, it, it's a little bit dated. It's from 2007, but it's about a town in Alabama, I believe. That um, to this day, there's still these crazy, weird ass secret societies that because they're so old or generations old, they basically are white only societies. So in this town, they have to for Mardi Gras, which is a big holiday for them. They have to have a black king and queen and a white king and queen because the the rules of these clubs are that, no, you know, you got to be invited by a member. Anyways, they just continue to perpetuate these old, old time models of um exclusion it's fascinating <laughs> to me it's fascinating to, to me and you all should ch check it out because it's just wild how much the south wants to continue to basically the civil war never ended is the headline here it's fascinating anyways that was my little journey my night of randomness so uh it's really a long way for me to tell you a random story but the, what gives me calma is hanging out with my friends and and being up to following strange men up, up being up to you saw, solemnly swearing to be up to no good did you get yes, that, did you get exactly. that did you get that reference Brenda? i did not actually it's it's a harry it's a harry potter oh, girl, no. i'm older than you i don't know harry potter bueno with that um i hope you all enjoyed this episode and we hope to see you soon in person if you're around or yes. uh, always on zoom there's always we, we often have little zoomy events so thank you all or in our reviews también anyways all in all the places all right y'all Abrazos, besos. Ponte suerte, Ciao. bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099